Welcome to the Hounding Health Podcast, where we try to uncover just what the hell does it mean to be healthy and how do we get there? Like, seriously, you think we could have figured it out by now? Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills! With so much conflicting health info out there, the world is in need of heroes more than ever before to help us find our way. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. On this show, we don't just talk about health practices, we put them to the test. Every season, we select a human guinea pig, and with the guidance from various health heroes, we help them reach their health goals, ultimately turning them to a supreme being. Now, broadcasting to the world, here's your host, George Hound. Hey everybody and welcome to Hounding Health, the show where we seek to define what health is and then we go on a journey with an individual slash guinea pig for a season. That person tries to become a healthier version of themselves. I'm your host, subject, and <laughs> guinea pig for season one, George Hound. Uh, before we go on with the show, I just have to mention our sponsor because without them, this show would not be possible. Today's show is brought to you by Dioxygen. The makers of dioxygen have somehow found a way to combine oxygen molecules, which gets transported into the bloodstream when you breathe it. Somehow, this gives energy to your entire body. Only 20.95% of the air we breathe remains to be oxygen, but who knows how long that will last. So get your dioxygen for free today while you still can. Today's guest, guys, is somebody who uh, I know we've been known each other now for two years, Anthony. This is Anthony Di Pasquale. He has a bachelor's of science in dietetics firm from Ryerson University. He has a holistic nutritionist education from the Institute of Holistic Nutrition in, here in Toronto. You are a personal trainer, uh, and you've also taught at different uh, institutes. The Institute of Holistic Nutrition, you've taught at Seneca College, Living Earth, and are you currently teaching at George Brown College? or? No, I was there for over 10 years. Wow. Uh, and you've been doing nutrition since 1992. That was my first client was 92. Amazing. So, Anthony, one of the things that I loved about you when I first met you is you portrayed a very big yin and yang combination. When I first looked at you, I saw this yang-oriented individual, very muscular. Uh, he was a personal trainer in a gym when I first met him. But then as soon as he opened his mouth and started speaking, he was so soft-spoken. And I'm like, wow, this guy's got a really good balance because like, he portrays a yang exteriorly. But then when you get to know him and when you get to talk to him, there is like that yin element, that softness in your voice that calms people down. So that was really cool. So, uh, you know, welcome to the show, Anthony. It's good to have you here. Thank you, George. And uh, it's uh, pretty cool that you're talking about yin and yang because I really like TCM and Ayurveda. Um, and so the energies of the person... Um, is not is something which is very holistic like the energies of the person is affecting not only their countenance and how they come across but even their dietary needs as can, well can, just for the viewers listening uh what does tcm stand for oh traditional chinese medicine right perfect um and then when we're speaking of energy you know just in case some people don't understand are we talking about that energy that we get in inside our metabolism but with the food we eat right, right. or is this an exterior energy like how would you define this uh, energy a more subtle energy so to give you a quick example, I went to my Chinese medicine doctor and I said, uh, dude, I'm desperate. All the stuff that I know that helps sleep, it's not working anymore. 
And uh, he, he checked me for, like, they, they look at your pulse and your tongue and your eyes, and he's like, of course you can't sleep. Your, your yin is in the basement. You know, and you need yin energy to sleep. Yang right. is being awake and active. So he gave me some yin tonic herbs, and that night I had the best sleep I had in weeks. Amazing. Yeah, so my yin was depleted. So men and women in, in Chinese medicine, men happen to be more yang, and women are more yin, so they actually charge each other with those energies. So it's a subtle energy which is physical, but, you know, to answer your question, you know, from a Western point of view, energy comes from burning calories, and there you go, boom. And this is more like an energetic quality that, yes. we, that we have within us. Yeah, it's very interesting, like, uh, you know, there, I had a master's in pharmacology that I was doing a long time ago, and now I was very uh, oriented or influenced by the academic uh, perspective on things. So I used to look at the world very scientifically, and when someone would talk to me about this energy stuff, I was like, what are you talking about? Right. But then the more I've you know, gone through my life and been educated by numerous other institutes outside of like, you know, universities, uh, the more parallels I see in the world of this yin and yang. And even like in our own physiology, you have the sympathetic nervous system, which Uh is more like get stuff done, flight or fight, uh, put digestion on hold. I got to run a marathon. And then you have your parasympathetic nervous system, which is like slow things down. Let's like decrease the heart rate. Let's start digesting food. Let's relax. And, Mm -hmm. You know, it's been proven countless times now that in order to be a healthy individual, you need to have a good balance of both, right? right? So whenever I think of like the yin and yang, I see it molecularly and biochemically in terms of that. But then there's also like, you know, what you just expressed. And that's like more of an emotional component. And sometimes it goes a little bit beyond that. Um, I think it's physical, but hard to measure. Yeah. And that's the problem that I have with science when people say something being scientific um, I find it's often used as a judgment and a put down, like, you know, I'm scientific or that's not scientific. Right. So since I'm scientific, I'm not going to accept that. Totally. And scientific is like treating the world and tr- people and everything else like we're machines. Yes. Everything is mechanistic. And then if you take the mechanistic point of view in nutrition, eating some rice, rice puffs is the same as eating an organic potato. They're both starch. Correct. Right? That's a mechanistic point of view. But there's energetic qualities that are different between them. And then with TCM, how you cook that potato is going to affect how your body's functioning. So, you know, we've, I don't know if you've come across, I've come across people that are raw foodies. Yes. And it's ruining them. Right. Because their, their yang is extinguished by this super yin diet. Raw food is very cooling. So living in Canada, let's say in the winter, eating raw food would be disastrous. What kind of symptoms would <clears throat> an individual like that uh, um, face or uh, I guess you know hard to put your thumb on it in terms of a clinical picture. Yes, but their gut generally won't be right, so they won't have strong digestion because digestion, as you said, you know you see these energies everywhere. Digestion is very yang. Your digestive system cooks your food. Right. So if you throw f- raw food down there, you put out your quote unquote digestive fire. So this raw foodie I knew, her digestion was a mess. Medicine was like, we can't help you, which is normal for medicine with anything chronic. Uh, pardon my sarcasm. And so she finally found her second Chinese doctor who talked her into stopping her raw diet. Right. And he's like, you got to cook your food. You must cook your food, almost all your food, because you're unbalanced. So you have to be more yang for a while. And she said in short order, her gut completely improved and she felt better. Amazing. What, you know, it's very interesting right now because we're, we're in a point right now, I think, in society, and I think we've been here before, 
but people are trying to convince others that, hey, you should do a keto diet. That's what's going to work for you. And then you have others that are on like the vegan bandwagon or the uh, raw diet bandwagon. Or you have some people that are, you know, calling themselves uh, flexitarians and they're saying, you know, like this is the model that I follow. Uh, but what you're saying is that the individual, it must be looked at both, you know, physically, biochemically, energetically, and then from there, make a decision as to what diet you should follow. Which is very much a, a TCM idea and an Ayurvedic idea. Right. Um, and yeah, in terms of the different diets, I think one weakness in, let's say, the entire field of nutrition is that because we're individual, that might be lost on certain authors or certain promoters. Yes. So this author or promoter, they might try a vegan diet or a paleo diet or like an Atkins type of diet, which is now called keto. Yes. It's like the seventh incarnation, right, of the Atkins diet. Um, Atkins will never die. <laughs> <laughs> and there were several incarnations before Atkins. Yes. But so they might find it works so well for them. And they're like, oh, my God, I want to share this with humanity because I feel so good. Yes. But humanity is not the same as they are. Correct. Right? Yeah. I think a lot of these individuals, they have good intentions. They felt yeah. better on it and yeah. they want to share Absolutely. that with the world. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, they're not as educated or experienced enough to know what how to assess each individual that they're coming across when they're suggesting this. And to go back to what you were saying where science is trying to define everything and if it can't define it or find like, like schematics like, to like measure a mechanism. it yeah. yeah everything's a mechanism then they, they, they neglect it right? exactly if you can't measure it we're not if we can't measure it properly then it doesn't exist it's quackery but here's the it's thing it's not important it's not significant so paul check uh, he's a holistic nutrition practitioner practitioner that i follow quite closely and he mm -hmm. says to people that argue oh if we can't measure it it's not worth investigating mm -hmm. he'll challenge them he'll go do you love your family? Do you love your kids? And they'll be like, of course I do. And then he'll tell them, well, how do you measure that love? What is love? And they don't know how to answer. And he goes, well, I just stumped you. He's like, we all know that love exists. We all love things. But just because we don't know exactly how to measure it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So I like to think of that whenever. And not only does it, is Paul Cech saying, hey, it exists and is important, but love is a, is a central need of a human being. Correct. It's a central need. I don't know if you're familiar with um, this bad experiment done several decades ago. Mice? Uh, in Germany with human babies. No, I don't know. And about I don't the... know their story if they were orphaned or what, but I remember reading this this about this research in a more psychological book um, where they gave these babies food, they changed them, they had a comfortable bed, but they had no human contact other than being changed or being fed with a bottle, like not breastfed. Um, so they had very minimal human contact. How did no, they get away with that? No expression of love. Most of these babies actually died. And there was no clinical reason that could be figured out why they would have died. I mean, they were well-fed, they were changed, comfortable sleeping quarters, but they didn't have love. Wow. They died. I came across a very similar study uh, in mice. And what they did is they did a very similar experiment where they took the mice away from their moms. Mm. And they would just provide them with some milk and see if they would survive, and the pups would die. Uh -huh. However, what the scientists did in another group is they took a brush, and every day a human would go in and brush oh. the mice to kind of mimic some sort of caressing. Right. And although it didn't equate to the moms actually being around their pups to nurture them, right. it actually improved their chances of survival and making it to adulthood. 
So there's there's something about so there. It's not just humans that need love. I right? think all yeah. beings, all animals, all plants, everything needs love, or else it looks like they won't make it. There was a cholesterol study done with rabbits, and because of this uh, rabid uh, desire to implicate cholesterol with our health problems, <laughs> they often used rabbits for cholesterol because they don't have cholesterol in their diet. They're mostly vegetarian animals. Right. They might eat a couple of bugs by mistake, but they're not carnivores so you put cholesterol in their diet it doesn't affect them well so in a cholesterol study with rabbits the this these rabbits were actually not doing as poorly not nearly as poorly as was to be expected and so the researchers um, were trying to find out like what is it about these rabbits that they're handling all this cholesterol and they're not they're not getting plaque they're not getting elevations in serum cholesterol it was actually one of the people that was in charge of looking after the rabbits the evening person yes she would pick them up and and cuddle them and hold them because she loved these rabbits wow and they did not so when they did the study again without this you know loving administrator <laughs> towards the rabbits then they got the negative health outcomes that they were looking for incredible incredible so, yeah so and this and so what paul check is saying like this is a massively important aspect of our life and it can't be scientifically measured or at least not easily scientifically measured so yeah that's one huge weakness of science we can't quantify it we can't make it into a, a mechanistic model then we're gonna say it's not significant yeah Man, we could go down uh, and talk about this subject for hours. Uh, but I guess this just goes to show, guys, why I chose to have uh, Anthony here as my guest today. Anthony is going to be our is our first guest on the Hounding Health Show. And the reason I chose him is for two primary reasons. One, he's a truth seeker. So he, you know, he, he didn't just stop with his academic studies in university. He went and, and took like an alternative school, which practiced uh, holistic medicine or holistic nutrition. And he, to this day, you can clearly see that he is researching things. He's studying things. He's thinking about them a little bit differently outside the box. So I wanted him to be my nutritionist specifically for that reason. Anthony, do you know Bernard Jensen, the nutritionist? He actually put me on my fasting path. No way. His book. His book. So uh, I'm a big fan of Bernard Jensen as well. Guys, so if you don't know who he is, Bernard Jensen has passed away now, but he was a chiropractor practicing, uh, helping people, you know, uh, with their physical pains. And he quickly started to realize that nutrition was such an important component to their well-being and their health, where he quickly, uh, or where he kind of changed his practice to being more of a nutritionist and then secondary, a chiropractor, if my research is correct. But he used to say that, he taught that disease, as well as good health, begins in the colon. Uh, and I'm a believer of that. I don't know how you feel about that, Anthony, but that's one of the reasons why I absolutely needed to have you as the first person that I consult with, because I think nutrition is where you should start. Absolutely. I read Bernard Jensen's book, and I saw his book was really graphic. Yes. And I was 24 years old, and I saw pictures of what comes out of people. Bowel care? Um, Taking care of tissue. Uh, health through tissue cleansing, something through that. Okay. Something about that. Um, and I couldn't believe what was coming out of people. And I, I, I'm very proactive, so I didn't have any health issues that I could put my finger on. But I was like, let me do a cleanse. So he recommends seven days of cleansing with colonics twice a day, seven days fast, I should say. And I did eight days, just because I'm a little over it. <laughs> Why not go the extra day? <laughs> and... Uh, I got stuff that looked like a melted bicycle tire coming out of me. Out of your, your backside, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Of, after after five or six days of having white clay and white fiber 
and nothing else except for a little bit of beat. Yes. So where was this black stuff coming from? From you. Uh, and I dropped 18 pounds in eight days. So people that want to detox, your first times, you're going to lose a lot of weight. Because yes. there's a lot of toxicity within our body. Now I'm a healthy 24-year-old guy. I had already started eating organic, cooking all my own food. And that was in me. And I was like, and he said a big factor of that is gluten. Mm. I'm also Italian, so I stopped eating pasta and bread. So I was, you know, almost gluten-free since back then. What was the issue with gluten? Is it an irritant of the uh, intestinal wall? It's very sticky. You can make an excellent glue out of gluten. It's incredibly sticky. It's like, it's like layers of wallpaper on people's colon. Wow. Yeah. And it took several days to get that deep into the colon cleansing because you're not eating and you're doing colonics twice a day. Right? Is there any other methodology that someone could use in order to clean their intestines to that capacity? Or do you think the colonics that you did back then is I probably think that's the, the best? It is um, the best. Because I did the master cleanser and I found it wasn't as effective. What's the master <clears throat> cleanser? The master cleanser is the, the main part of the master cleanser is every morning you drink a, a quart of lukewarm water with a lot of salt. And the salt goes right, the salt water goes right through your gut. So it's like somebody put a hose down your mouth and it goes right through your gut. Wow. But it's not as good as a clonic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I had migraines since I was six years old. Six years old? And about every month I get a debilitating migraine, like debilitating, often with extreme nausea and, and vomiting because of the pain. And after that, uh, eight days of you know dropping 18 pounds in the clonics. I never had one again, and I'm 50. I'm gonna. I'm almost 51. I never had a migraine again. What kills me is that you're 50 and you look younger than I do. Like body wise, it's like oh, I got That's more gray hair than you. You're growing the beard. That's <laughs> if you shave that off, you'd look 22. <laughs> that might be true, but we'll never see that. But you know, with clients, you have to take the client where they are. Yeah. And work with them where they are. So with most clients, I might mention in passing a little bit of light detox yes but a lot of clients are going to run screaming if you're like i want you to do colonics you know like they're shove like a tube this, up your butt this guy it yeah, out. this yeah. guy is too weird you know i'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go see a normal nutritionist so you gotta you gotta read your client but i absolutely believe um now jensen was a little bit unbalanced because he was like colon 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 and i right. think everything in the body is important right but it's good that people are unbalanced because then they're going to reach really a masterful level with that one thing that they're focusing on. Yes. Right? I just read a book about, uh, I was grazing through a book about tonsils the other day with case studies of how tonsils have wrecked people's health and how actually getting them out of the body has improved people's health with unsolvable health problems. Oh, really? By a pretty holistic-minded person who's not interventionary in their point of view. Um, See, that, so that, that, you never know what's yeah. the most important thing. It depends also on the person. For one person... The colon's always important, but there might be a, a, a rate-limiting step in someone else that's not their colon. It might be their thyroid. Right. It might be heavy metal poisoning. It might be their lack of gut function. It might be who knows. Right. So going back to what we were saying before, you know, you can't just have an overall schematic that works for everybody. It's right. like looking at the individual. And then going back to that tonsil thing, that surprises me. I have a hard time with things like that because... Oh, me too. You know, if you believe in like, if, you know, us evolving on this planet and we like, have our organs for a reason. Yes. Right. So like, how do you justify that mother nature or God or the universe or whatever created us, you know, put this in us only for it to have to be taken With out. an extra part that shouldn't be there. Yeah. It, doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. Especially, yeah. True, it, true. You know, like every human being is going to have to grow up to remove their tonsils at one point <laughs> through an invasive surgery. It just, I don't understand how that happened. I had mine removed at three and I've always been 
mad about it. Yes. Um, but then when I read this book, I felt better about it. <laughs> so do, do they touch on that, like that reasoning why in these cases this they needed to remove these tonsils? Uh, or did yes. They... The, the author of the book was actually a holistic-minded person, a dentist actually, and his he couldn't bring his CRP down, and he had a, he had a mild heart attack. CRP? And, uh, C-reactive protein, which is a big risk factor for heart attacks, and it's a measure of overall inflammation in the body. So C-reactive right. protein. Um, but it's not often talked about within medicine. It's, it's understood and accepted, but not often discussed because we don't have a handy drug to lower it. Mm. But we have lots of handy drugs to lower cholesterol so that we're always obsessively measuring cholesterol. Right. Because then, then you get a client for the drug company. Um, but nothing he was doing was reducing his CRP, including 100 grams of vitamin C intravenously. That would only lower it temporarily. But when he had his tonsils examined, they were full of pus and diseased. And um, they weren't clearing. So he had wow. them removed, and his CRP dropped like a rock right away and stayed low. Interesting. And his heart problems disappeared as well. Like he, his angina went away. He felt better. Yeah. And then he, he tried it with other people and found similar things. So he found a lot of diseased um, tonsils that were harboring infection and just constantly reintroducing this infection into the body. Interesting. So as you said, we're evolved in a certain way, but perhaps our tonsils are overwhelmed by the new pathogens we have now. Yeah, very possible. Because we do have cities of millions of people, so that's one exposure. That's not really humanly natural to live in a city of millions of people. Um, and the second thing is we have a lot of other tangents that we won't go on today, but we have <laughs> new pathogens that we're dealing with. Yes. You know, so maybe our tonsils become overwhelmed and they hang on. Interesting. Something. I have a question for you, Anthony. Uh, so I, I guess you are, we already spoke ahead of time what the premise of the show is. The premise of the show, uh, instead of just having random guests on and just talking about health subjects, I found uh, it might be interesting in order to have a subject or a guinea pig such as myself who's looking to uh, attain their health goals, right? And I wanted to introduce people to different practitioners like yourself that they might not have never heard of or maybe they have and they have, they're not quite sure what they do or what their approach is. Uh, so for me, it was very important that I find different practitioners, nutritionists, be, it, be they personal trainers, be they chiropractors. You know, we're going to have these individuals on the show to help me on my goal to attaining what I believe health is. And I guess my first question to you when it pertains to helping me uh, is, what is health to you? How do you define health? Uh, that's excellent. I forget who was telling me about how you can be healthy even while you're dying, right? Okay, yes. I forget who was telling me that. Um, it would be something that you would talk about. Um, so to me, health is a difficult thing to define, but it's about feeling good in your body and feeling good in your psyche and feeling good in your spirit. Um, so being functional on, on all those levels, so highly functioning, you know. And then you and I both have a fairly athletic background. Right. I remember you squatting in the new year, bringing in the new year. Yes. The squat workout. Yeah. So it was a while so, back. So you and I, you know, my personal thing, what I want in my health is I want to be strong. I love strength. Right. You know? um, so as a natural athlete, I think that's attainable. Um, for a natural athlete to look like a bodybuilder on stage, I don't think, I think is completely unattainable. Um, but strength is one thing that inspires me. So for me, I take strength as a measure of my physical health, 
So if I have a slight flu, like, I don't have the same power in the gym. Right. So, uh, and I do think strength is, is an aspect of, of our health. And again, that goes also with spiritual strength and, and mental strength, emotional strength. And when you're saying spiritual strength and the other strengths, is that an ability to resist challenge? Is Absolutely. That, is that how you consider it? So how do we measure strength is how much can you squat? How much can you deadlift? How much adversity can you handle? How much, you know, if you want to take it from a Judeo-Christian point of view, how much temptation can you handle? Right. Uh, how much discipline do you have with yourself? You know, and, and this, you know, to give an emotional example of nutrition, you know, I've heard people say, like, everyone knows what's healthy, but yes. do they do it? You know, people eat donuts, people drink pop, people smoke, people drink excessive amounts of alcohol, and they know that it's not good for them, but they don't have the, whether it's the willpower or the, or the alignment between the goodness that they want for themselves and the practice that they do with their life, right? And, and wanting good for yourself and then doing things that are self-destructive, you know, there's, there's a... Um, a schism there between mm. you know where they're aiming and where they're heading and and so that that's partially emotional that's partially spiritual that's you know finding that rock finding that anchor that takes you through adversity or temptation my uh, definition of health is uh, so my background is in epigenetics mm. when I learned what epigenetics was you know, I was a younger man. It's basically a layer of um, molecules that are pretty much deciding which genes are turning on or off. And right now, there's so much money being put in, in research to figure out, you know, how can we turn these genes on or off? But I remember coming across multiple sources when I was doing my master's and uh, the three things that influence your genes to express the best version of you is nutrition, exercise, and your mental state. So for me, health means how can I encourage my body to be expressing the best genes in order to be the best version of myself. Mm. So I guess that's my challenge right now is I need to get a little bit better with my health because there are some things that I'm doing right now that are not influencing me in the most positive ways. Like I'm, uh, you know, I just uh, my partner and I had a child. She's three and a half months old, so it's a little bit difficult right now to prioritize all these healthy things. Being a father. Uh, but it also is not an excuse because I know that I'm also setting an example for her. And the more I neglect my health, the more I'm kind of showing her that, hey, it's okay to sacrifice yourself for something else that you think is more important. But And then although I might be subconsciously doing that for the moment, I'm also realizing, like, hey, no, this is, this is not the example I want to put out there. I want to put out the uh, example out there that first take care of yourself. So that you're able to take care of the people you love around you and also enjoy what this world has to offer. I don't want to be 70 years old, 60 years old, what have you, and like not capable of being, you know, doing my sports, my athleticism, playing with my kid or my grandkid. If I want to go up to Peru and like climb, you know, Machu Picchu, I want to be able to do that. Absolutely. You know, it's a, it's a way of expressing myself to the world and enjoying what it has to offer. So that's my goal with this show. For the next, you know, 120 days, I want to go on this path by using individuals like yourself to guide me, consult me on how I could become a little bit better, a little bit healthier. Uh, and uh, I'm so happy that you uh, agreed to do this today. Thank you. Thank you. George, you were mentioning, uh, actually, we we're both mentioning about how we do things that are, we know are not good and we do them anyway. Um, but then prior to that, I was talking about like emotional health and spiritual health, mental health, and it all plays together. So even considering eating a donut, 
is not as simple as we think, right? Because from a nutritional, pure nutritional point of view, like there, you can never defend eating a donut. Right. And I mean like an actual donut, uh, not the one that's fried in coconut oil with gluten-free. Like you can get those in Toronto. Let's but, assume a Dunkin' Donut But if for donut. that person, for that person, if there's a meaning with that donut or yes. a significance or, or an effect on them, you know, like the donut calms me down. Right. So if they're losing it and that donut calms them down and they know that, then maybe in the overall scheme of things, that donut could help their health. Just to give you like an example off the top of my head. Permanently or temporarily? Uh, maybe both, right? Maybe both. Because what I would say is I have, I definitely have a coffee addiction at this point. You know, after my daughter was born, I needed to stay up late at night to kind of give her the attention that she needed, help uh, my partner by giving her some milk. But right now I find myself having at least two Americanos a day. Right. And um, here's how I've kind of, I've meditated on this and I've tried to kind of make sense out of it. It's like, why am I having this coffee? And I don't feel good on it. When I have it, I don't always get that energy. And I think what I've, I've come to terms with is I'm unhappy with certain things in my life right now where I'm ignoring you know, my needs mm. and maybe possibly working more hours than I would really want to and not being able to spend time with my family. Like right now, all I look forward to at the end of the day is going home and spending time with my, uh, my baby and my partner. Um, but that's not happening because I'm working long hours so I can pay the bills. And then every time I feel this unhappiness or like I have to push through the day, right. I reach over for that coffee. So I think right. it's a very similar, I think, uh, problem that's happening with people that are like neglecting their long-term health goals, you know, when they reach for the donut or when they do something that doesn't necessarily help them with their health goals because they're looking for that momentary happiness, right? right. Um, but that's how I so sort of it's like it. some kind of crutch in a way. Yeah. Or like a salve. Almost. Yes. Like this makes me feel better. Yeah. In which allows me to push through whatever I need yeah. to do in order to accomplish my now, goal. Probably a lot of people that would be listening to this would be thinking, oh my God, if my worst habit was drinking two coffees a day. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <you> know, like, <laughs> but that's what happens when two health freaks get together. Right. right? Like, oh, I drink two coffees a day. Oh, that's so bad. But that being said, that's subjective, right? Because my, my problem, you know, it's it's my problem, right? I, I might experience uh, discomfort with coffee drinking. That's seven on ten on the discomfort scale. But you know, somebody else who's listening to this might be saying like, I have coffee, like I don't feel a thing. I'm a two on ten. And then, is it a sensitivity issue, or is it really like, no, he doesn't feel much. Like it's good for him. Like we were saying before, there's a different approach for everybody. Right. Uh, we're gonna get into this, but one of my issues is constipation. You know, like ever since I was 18 years old. I can go sometimes three to five days without going to the bathroom. And I think one of the variables that's creating this environment in me that's not allowed me to go to the bathroom is having coffee. Interesting. See, again, that's individual variation because for most people, right. coffee makes them go more. Yes. But anything is possible within you know an individual. Totally. And so that's something that I think a practitioner has to be mindful of is to not doubt the client. So right. if the client tells you, you know, coffee stops me up, some practitioner would be like, oh, that makes no sense. You know, it must be a, it must be a coincidence. Coffee can't do that. Yes. Well, no, if you're telling me from, you know, 20 years of your experience that it does, right. I'm not going to doubt you. You know, who's the better expert on your body? Than you are. Yeah. yeah. I truly believe every individual has to be their own doctor. And I've looked into the whole coffee thing and I could come up with an explanation, at least one for each side. Uh, some people believe they go to the bathroom after they've had coffee because coffee speeds up peristalsis. It's not true. The body actually 
interprets coffee as a toxin in these individuals. So it just has to evacuate whatever's in their intestines. So that's why certain people go to the bathroom right after having coffee. But in individuals like myself, coffee is a sympathetic nervous system activator, right? It turns on other than the adrenaline, it gets right. you going. Absolutely turns on adrenaline. So digestion gets slowed down in these individuals uh, right. and they don't have to go to the bathroom as much, right? So it really depends on So your... it depends which aspect of that person is a little stronger. Right. So for someone else, the irritant aspect overcomes the sympathetic nervous system aspect. In your case, it's the opposite. Correct. Yeah. Um, but I did think that coffee, uh, sorry, caffeine and nicotine both enhanced peristalsis. I thought they did, but I, I could be wrong. Like I didn't, I didn't, like I just thought that. I don't remember seeing an actual study proving that they do, but I thought yeah. stimulants enhanced peristalsis. But you're saying a stimulant turns up, because stimulants all turn up the sympathetic nervous system, right. which would tend to slow down peristalsis. So yeah, it's a tough yeah, to, I guess I, I guess it would depend on the individual yeah, biochemistry. It, Italians, they'll have a huge meal, throw a coffee down there, and then, oh, I feel lighter now. Because right. the coffee irritated their stomach, and their stomach said WTF, and pushed everything to the small intestine, so they feel lighter. Like they burned their intestines. <laughs> um, Anthony, I have one last thing to ask you. I love when I go on your website, you say, if you're still breathing, it's not too late. What does that mean? Uh, it probably means different things to different people, but what it means to me is that there's always hope. So somebody might go on a website or read anything about health and say, well, I'm too far gone or I have too many problems. I can't, I can't be healthy. It's just, I'm just too, I, I have too far to climb to get up there. Uh, what about and, an and extreme I don't think case? that's ever true. Like, you know, someone has cancer, bad cancer. It's there's good. always hope. There's always hope. Um, and yet, I wouldn't want the hope to be false, right? right? So if someone would say to me, hey, I've been given a week to live, then I wouldn't say, well, hey, there's a great chance that you can survive and cure this cancer. There isn't. There's right. a small chance that you can. There's always a chance. But also, we can always improve our health. So even within a dying process, we can be more comfortable. We can be happier right. if we do certain things to address our health, which would depend on that person. Like you said before, you could be healthy and dying at mm -hmm. the same time. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah. Because death want... is a natural part of life. Totally. So being healthy doesn't mean we're going to live 1,500 years. Correct. <laughs> okay, guys. So now we're going to go into part two of uh, the show. And this is the part where Anthony actually gets to do his thing with me. Or he's actually going to be probably asking more of the questions. And uh, we're going to be going through more of what uh, typical... Uh, session would be like with Anthony where he's meeting somebody for the first time and trying to get a gauge uh, or trying to get a feel for what health uh, changes somebody has to make. So Anthony, uh, you're my nutritionist. You are my guru when it comes to this <laughs> subject. So I'm just going to take a step back and let you run the show for the rest of the, uh, the, the podcast. Well, I think we definitely learn from each other, but um, yeah, I'll definitely do my nutritional stuff with you happily. Let's do it. Um, so I like to start by just asking some open-ended questions. Okay, forget it. We're not doing the show anymore. And then I ask some targeted questions. Sure, I do sure. both. Um, and then I find as I'm getting a feel for the person, things will come up for me. Yes. In that picture. Okay. That comes up as I'm asking questions, right? So I would ask the person, you know, what are what a very common question I ask is, what do you want nutrition to do for you? Correct. Um, you know, what would be a big thing you want nutrition to do for you, and what are some little things you want nutrition to do? 
Okay, uh, I guess what I would like nutrition for me to do is to help me gauge my energy throughout the day so that there aren't so many ups and downs. Okay. Uh, stabilize your energy. Stabilize my energy. And then I would also like to kind of, I guess there's two more things I'd like to solve. One is this addiction to caffeine. Uh, or Because I don't feel good when I drink coffee. I feel I get a crash even though I'm addicted to it. So I'd like to kind of resolve this and almost eliminate coffee from my diet, period. And I think it's related to the third component, which is I believe I have an overgrowth of candida. For the listeners out there that are not sure what candida is, it's a, a, fung a fungus that grows in human beings. We all have it in our intestines. And under when it's you know at normal levels and in good balance with the rest of the bacteria that we have in our intestines, it doesn't seem to cause an issue. But there is a philosophy or a theory out there that an overgrowth of candida could have uh, symptoms that pop up in humans. Now, there's some people that believe the overgrowth of candida is just a, a byproduct of other things that are going wrong. Uh, and then there's other individuals that think, no, the cause is the candida overgrowth, which, which is causing symptoms in the rest of the body. I am at a point right now where I'm not quite sure what side of the fence I am with this, but I'm hoping Anthony can shine some light on candida. Sure. Sure. Um, so do you want to start with the stabilizing the energy of the coffee and candida, or do you want any other any other things come up, like you want to help your gut function in general? Is that one of your goals? As yes, well? I'd like to have, you know, my, my ultimate goal is to have the best expression of my genes possible. And I think nutrition is important for that. So overall, high health. High health. Okay. Um, because you did mention since about 18 that you've had some regularity problems with your elimination. Yes. Okay. So I can easily so go say, three days without so going to the back. gut function. And by the way, a friend of mine who's a practitioner, he had a client that would go once a week. Wow. She would, she would go number two once a week. Told her doctor, and he asked her, how long has this been going on for you? She said, oh, since I was about 12. And she was 21 at the time. And he said, well, for you, it's normal. So I had a very similar... It's normal for you, so it's okay. Yeah. But in the holistic field, we know that your transit time should be about 24 hours. And we know that if you're eating two meals a day, ideally, you'd be eliminating two times a day. Correct. Um, that has not been the case. <laughs> that has not been the case. And I was told a very similar thing by my uh, doctor, oh, yeah. who shall not be named. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, he's like, if you've been doing this since you were 18 and you're fine right now, it's, it's your normal. It's your normal. Right. Uh, but something feels off. Uh, yes. Yeah, I would say if the person's eating every day, then eliminating every day would make sense. Um, and to add to that, so I've played around with diet quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And I could tell you the only time I was regular as an adult is when I went complete vegan. Mm -hmm. So I followed a complete vegan diet and I was going every day, sometimes twice a day. Uh, but what inevitably happened is I started getting like really, really low energy at a certain point, like a year and a half into being vegan. So then I started reintroducing, you know, a little bit more meat uh, and then I don't know what happened there. I couldn't find that right balance and constipation popped up into the picture. Did you tell me your blood type? I'm an old blood type. Old type of, okay. That would, it would kind of make me think that you wouldn't do well as a vegan, as a typo. Um, you know, there's, they're studying this stuff, but then they're seeing it with clients. So and I've you, definitely seen things with candida too, but that's another topic. But yeah, typo, um, I've seen with clients, they need animal protein. They, they have to have animal protein. For all blood health. types. Yeah. So in your clinical studying, you know, with all your with patients, you've noticed yeah. that blood type is a huge influence when it comes to nutrition? Absolutely. In a holistic college I was teaching at, you know, I learned the blood type diet extremely backwards and forwards. 
because I taught a big course on it. But then with my clients, it was just amazing how quickly people would improve. It it even amazed me to get people like turning around in two days just wow. following, not to a nth degree, but going more, much more towards their blood type diet. So you and I are opposites. I'm type A. I'm more the vegetarian. Yes. You're type O. You're more the caveman who eats meat all day. Makes sense. So that's the <laughs> I love my meat. But having said that, you know, we want to eat meat intelligently, um, like having enough enzymes to process that meat because we're eating cooked food, which is kind of an unnatural thing when you consider how does nature operate. There's no animals that eat cooked food except for our domesticated animals, and their health suffers as a result. So eating a lot of meat with enough enzymes to handle that meat, I think, would be a great idea. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Great. Cool, cool. And then as for candida, I can speak to that. Um, I've had people, you know, just knock problems out in two days with drinking some hydrogen peroxide, um, which is a isn't that suicide? Which is a, can- <laughs> which is a candida killer. <laughs> is it a human being killer? <laughs> if I go to the pharmacy right now and get hydrogen peroxide and drink that down, yeah, just I don't think I'm waking up tomorrow. Put, put a little slice of lemon in there, and away you go. <laughs> No, but seriously, hydrogen peroxide, like, well, how does that work? So like, hydrogen peroxide is, um, is produced by the white blood cells in our body. And lactobacillus in the colon also make hydrogen peroxide because lactobacilli in the colon don't want to share the colon with other germs. Mm-hmm. So they make a number of antibiotics that are natural but that don't hurt the host. And same with our white blood cells. They make antibiotics that don't hurt the host. Right. So high amounts of hydrogen peroxide will kill somebody. So you're but, saying don't go to a pharmacy so, and get so hydrogen high peroxide and drink it? No, because that's not food grade, so it's stabilized with things that are not uh, fit for consumption. Okay. So food grade peroxide is not stabilized with anything. Um, so it decomposes more readily into H2O and O2. <clears throat> so what Anthony's saying is like a lot of the peroxide, hydrogen peroxide you get at a pharmacy, it might have extra chemicals in there that right. you know you can't digest that. You shouldn't drink that. Absolutely. But you can go to health food stores that have oral grade hydrogen peroxide and oral I guess greater food grade yeah either one and you could I guess you would dilute it right yeah I'm, I'm talking starting with one drop in a glass of water right so very much diluted okay great yeah cool so I've done 100 drops uh, just because I like to try things out you called yourself a guinea pig I am too yes as a conscientious nutritionist I don't recommend anything unless I've tried it to a higher degree and then I know that the lower degree I feel reasonably safe. Even though I read all these people drinking peroxide, I want to know for myself. Right. So I've never heard of anyone needing more than 10, 15 drops a day, and I did 100 drops of the 35%. How did you feel on 100? You felt okay, or did you I start... felt like my head was going to come off my body. Oh. <laughs> but then, after 10 minutes, I felt normal. <laughs> so I, didn't, I, didn't exper- I, I didn't repeat the experiment, but I survived, and I thought I was pretty sure that I would. You know, it's just extra oxidative stress. All right. What was the dose you did before that? Did you go like from like 50 to 100 or did you slowly build up? I think I did 10 the first day and 100 the second day. Um, but, but I recommend one drop to start because I didn't suspect I had any candida. Right. You don't want to kill them all at once. Why? Because then the person where he's going to feel very sick. Why? Uh, because the, they have these dead decomposing candida fungus organisms in their body. And so you're cl- you have to clear out a lot of junk. Quickly, yes. So it's better to kill them a bit at a time. Is there a term? Is it is it Herxheimer reaction? Is that is that the proper term? Herxheimer maybe from a from detox in general. Yeah. Yeah. So your body throws off toxins when we fast, let's say, and then the person will feel worse because now you've got more toxins circulating in the blood because the body has detected 
that we're in detox mode now. We can, you know, throw out these toxins that we had in the bones or in the liver or in the kidneys or in the fat, in the body fat. But it's not the same thing with what you were just talking about. This is more like the fungus yeah, itself the candy, has. The dead, the dying candida. Yeah. You know, too much of it overwhelming our elimination. Um, and I was talking to my dad about detoxing and, he, and about things helping elimination. And he's like, well, when I want elimination, I go to the bathroom. <laughs> so I think we've all experienced parents that are uh, reticent or hesitant to try uh, health, health yes. things. So yeah, for me, that was amazing. I had a client in Italy that there was no food-grade peroxide available when I lived in Italy. Um, so I had him just putting oregano on everything that he ate. I said, I don't care what you're eating put a shovel full of oregano on there and he did and he said within a week he dropped kilograms of bloat he felt wow. bloated all the time he was a brewery this guy um you a could brewery tell, yeah he was he had his own brewery right in his yeah. bed a whole was, bunch he, of yeast he was drinking a lot of alcohol so i couldn't get him to stop but okay. i got him to reduce his alcohol and he said he just felt so much better with all this oregano amazing which is also anti-candida but i think peroxide is a better kill yeah more of a sniper approach. Mm -hmm. Although now they've downgraded the food grade to 3%, so a person would start with at least 10 drops instead of one drop. Okay. Right. So I don't, I'm not aware of any store selling 35% anymore. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if you have any sugar cravings because Candida... Very much. Okay. So Candida, there's this theory that the Candida in your body is influencing you to eat more sugar because it wants sugar. Yes. Do you have alcohol cravings too? You want beer, especially that's a very Candida friendly um i guess beer wine you know I, because i'm so aware of what i want of what effects certain foods have i try to avoid having them around but i find when i know they're in the environment like let's say i go over to a friend's house and they have yeah. alcohol it's so hard for me to resist even though there, there's You're a struggle yeah there's, okay. you know, i can't overcome it so that could be the candida talking is one theory interesting like it's influencing me to want it, right. uh, but I, the sugar is a, is a real thing because uh, I find during the day, especially when I start feeling a little bit tired halfway through the day, uh, you know, I know there's a bakery across from the gym and I'm, I'm telling myself, I'm like, you're a trainer, like don't put this example out there. And then I'm, I'm hiding and running across the street with a trench coat over my head, like I hope nobody coat. sees me, I'm eating a muffin and I'm like, okay, I feel better now, I have to go back. And had I not had that muffin... I, I, it would have been very difficult for me to go like the next two or three hours. It's crazy. But what about like some dates and almonds? Would that... It probably... Of, yeah. It probably would have... Something to try. Like if you want something sweet, right? I'm yes. thinking the almonds to kind of blunt the sugar with the protein. I think the, that ratio is important because what I've started seeing now is I, I tried eating a lot of dates actually within the last three months. Mm -hmm. uh, I just started having them in the diet because they're, they're healthier for you than a muffin would be, right? But I get heartburn. Oh, okay. You know, so that's something that I've also suffered quite a bit with in the past. I've have I have it under control now a lot more, uh, but I definitely have hard. Well, you're Greek. You can try dried figs, right? Yeah, I could. Yeah, and see if that reacts differently with your gut. With the heartburn, um, enzymes seem to be a really big, heavy hammer. To Digestive enzymes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've had clients with brutal reflux, and the enzymes just solved it for them. What do you think of, uh, what's the tincture called? Canadian blisters? Is my oh, Canadian bitters. Bitters, that's yeah. it. So bitters helps your liver, and yeah. with livers functioning in a, at a higher level, that definitely helps digestion. Okay. Um, is that so something that 
people in general should be playing around with, or is that something more that a practitioner should be? Oh, I think people can play around with it. Oh, yeah? Because I think that, you know, we need the four tastes. So the vagal nerve, um, you know, the taste on the tongue by the vagal nerve will affect other organs. So sweetness affects the pancreas. Yes. Bitter will affect the liver. Mm. And we're not having enough bitter in our diet. Our diet is all sweet or salty. Where's the bitter? Right. right. Where more traditional diets, they would eat bitter greens. Gotcha. Um, and I guess greens is the only bitter food I can think of at the moment. Um, perhaps bitter herbs as well. And so I think since we don't get enough bitter, then having some bitters will help balance that. Um, you know, the four food groups of our taste. Right. Need, right. The four taste groups. Interesting. Mm. So I think, yeah, I think bitters are a great idea. Cool. And then stabilizing energy. You want me to go into that? Sure, yeah. Okay. So when I mentioned before about having dates with almonds, and maybe in your case it could be dried figs with almonds, um, I think stabilizing energy is, is about making sure you have enough fat and protein, especially protein, um, to you know stabilize the blood sugar, because it does more to stabilize blood sugar than carbs or fat. Are you oil pulling? Because I'm wondering if that would help your candida. I'm not oil pulling right now. Have you ever tried it? Mm, yes, I have, like two or three years ago. Okay. Should we get into what it is? or Sure, let's tell the listeners so what oil pulling is. Yeah, oil pulling, I heard of it, and I was like, that sounds kind of silly. Like many things that I later end up doing, I was like, that kind of sounds kind of silly. And then I heard various different people telling me, oh my gosh, you know, oil pulling was so amazing for me. I did this, that, and the other. And I'm like, okay, let me try it. So 20 to 40 minutes, um, putting a, a mouthful of oil in my mouth and swirling it. What's the source? Um, well, I read oilpulling.com, which is very Ayurvedically influenced because that's where oil pulling comes from, and they said it doesn't really matter. Okay. Um, there's people getting good effects with coconut oil, which would be interesting for you because coconut oil is antifungal. Right. right? It has those shorter chain fats, which tends to kill yeast and things in the yeast family. Um, uh, so I use coconut or sesame or sunflower usually. Okay. Which, like classically in Ayurveda, you would use sunflower or sesame. Interesting. But uh, anyway, I've even used olive oil, which is a waste of good olive oil. So if ah, it gets, if it gets, because you don't swallow it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if it gets too watery, you spit it out and take a recharge and keep swirling. Um, but I noticed some very definite good things happening to me. Um, but yeah, the feedback I've had from other people was like amazing. And the positive feedback. We're not talking about <clears throat> oral hygiene or any oral. No, the You're talking about the whole body is getting an effect yeah. from this oil yeah. pulling. Because if you think about, um, you know, taking a drug or a substance sublingually. Yes. That's a channel for into your body, but then it's also a channel to eliminate out of the body hmm. is, is the mouth, um, and so yeah, I, I find different big difference in oral health, but also uh, aspects in my body that you know definitely from the oil pulling because I would stop and start again, and then I would see like like night and day these physical differences would stop and start again too. Interesting. Yeah, I do think that it can help cleanse you, especially if you're drinking peroxide. You want to cleanse the dead and dying um, candida toxins from your body. So that'll help anything that'll help your cleansing without interrupting your life too much. Do you have 20 minutes in the morning? 100%. Okay. Yeah. So um, I'll put one sheet for you and one sheet for me. So I'll just mention oil pulling and I'll flesh this out a little later. Uh, the one glass of water I think is absolutely not enough. Uh, so we're going to go with more. Now, water is not very appealing. Maybe in the winter, you don't wake up and say, oh, I'd love, I'd love a cool glass of refreshing water in the winter, right? Right. So maybe we can get you drinking, uh, I would say, a liter of fluid um, with a bit of salt. 
Because you're waking up, you haven't eaten for however long, and sodium is the most important electrolyte. So to, to down a liter of water right away, ideally you'd have a bit of Himalayan salt. No problem. I usually do that <clears throat> throughout the day. I'll have okay. water in a water bottle, and I'll have a little bit of yeah, uh, Himalayan pinch. salt in there, and it just Perfect. goes down a lot easier, too, yeah, right? It does. Yeah, it does. And that goes with the yin and yang. Salt is extremely yang. And water is very yin, right. so it gives you a more balanced water, if you will. Hmm. But in Western medicine, sodium is the most... So that's when people, which is very rare, but people who die of water toxicity is because they've run out the sodium out of their body and their electrical signaling doesn't work right. Um, it's, it, so if they had a bunch of salt with their excessive water, they probably wouldn't have croaked. Wow. Uh, so sodium is the most important electrolyte. But most people don't have to worry about it because they're eating more sodium than they need. Correct. So it's totally handling their water intake. They, they don't need more in their water. But in your case, you might not be adding a bunch of salt to your food. And I'm thinking if you wake up and you want a lot of water to get your system going. Um, so we're going to go with about a liter to start um, and a bit of salt. And that can be partially or wholly herbal tea. So, you know, as a man, some nettle tea. Nettle is wonderful for testosterone and male health in general. Um, could be oat straw tea, which would be very useful for yourself because oat straw is very strengthening to your nervous system. Okay. Um, and I think we need to strengthen your nervous system because you're a new dad. <laughs> maybe new, maybe the new mom needs some strengthening for her nervous so system. So how, how is this strengthening the nervous system when it comes to oat straw? Is this... Uh, so herbally, it's... it's uh, it's seen as like a nervous system adaptogen. And then if I can down one liter of water. Yeah, so a combination of herbal tea and water to a liter. I do about a liter and a half in the morning. So you're saying the oat straw probably is good. Like it, even if, let's say I can just drink a liter of water, no problem in the morning. Are you suggesting, well, don't have just a liter of water, also put in the, the herbal yeah, tea as well. Yeah, okay, for sure. Cool. Uh, some ginger, if you want to throw ginger in there as well, that seems to be... In herbalism, it seems to be kind of a carrier, and in Chinese medicine as well. When you add ginger to a herbal formula, the ginger energetically helps that formula deliver into your body. So this is more of a TCM. So I noticed on the paper there you have uh, oat straw, you have, what's the oh, next? Nettles. Nettles, and then you have ginger. Can all three be put in the same, oh, yeah. all, yeah. all together? Yeah. Okay, cool. Now, uh, what I want to make clear is you have like your ideal individual right now in front of you if you tell me scrap your morning routine and eat this instead by all means let's go that direction because i think intuitively i almost want to change this bread fruit butter combination because it just doesn't feel right i do feel sluggish afterwards right right well the bread is a bit of an issue with the typo and interestingly diadamo who did i mean there's 70 years of research with different blood types and diet and health but the Adamo, I think, did so much work with it. And he said manna bread is the one bread he tested that does not react against typos. Manna bread. So manna is legit fully germinated. before mm. they. And when you germinate a grain or, or a legume, you cause huge changes within that, within that seed. Right. Germinated. A massive drop in phytates, a change in the proteins, even a change in the vitamin content. And you're saying by doing that, you're allowing an individual to possibly digest it a little easier? Is he that said there was no reaction against typo, which is miraculous, because every grain, to some degree, reacts against typo. 
Well, I can speak for that because, you know, people have told me to, instead of eating your regular wheat pastas, to try quinoa and to try spelt and to try, Mm -hmm. don't have oatmeal, but instead try having another kind of green in the morning. I've tried them all, guys, and I could tell you there is not one of them that doesn't cause me heartburn. You know know what? For typo, I've had some brutal typo cases. Your case is mild, but I've had typos that are bleeding when they go to the bathroom. Wow. That's what shape their colon is in. And uh, when they stop all grains, including this quinoa, rice, polenta, you name it, any grain, they stop it, ridiculous improvements. Wow, Like two days, the person felt amazing. I've had people with brutal gut pain, it's gone. And she had, this other client, she had gut pain every day for 15 years. Within a couple of days, her gut pain was gone. It's amazing. Every day for 15 years. But we live in a grain-based society. Anywhere you are, it's grain. Isn't it amazing that we're so desensitized to our body? Like this person's literally bleeding out of their ass, part of my language. <laughs> and, and and they can't stop eating the thing that's causing this well, issue. They had no idea though. They didn't have, but because they went to a gastroenterologist who said, Oh, your diet has nothing to do with your condition. Right. Yeah. We're so disconnected from our bodies right now. So disconnected. So disconnected and no one ever fasts. If this girl had tried fasting one day, she would have noticed, oh my God, my gut feels normal today. So fasting is something that you recommend people do? At least with fasting, you get rid of all the offending things. And then she could try putting back one thing at a time. What's fasting? You mean like not eating anything? For her, it would be like just water all day. But I never had her fasting because this is the kind of client that wouldn't be into that. Right. I could read that it wasn't her thing. Right. But I knew she was typo. And I knew she had a brutal gut problem. So it took me about almost half an hour to convince her to stop eating grains because it's very difficult. Right. right? Yeah. The next question is, well, what do I eat? Correct. (laughs) You know, pita. Rice, bread, pasta. What's if you take that out? What's left? Yeah, <laughs> right. People think I'm going to starve to death. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, now, what I wrote down for you is apple bread. Apple with, bread with, with quotation marks. So you're going to use an apple like bread. So you're going to slice it and put your nut butter on there and eat that. Love it. Perfect. So that's what I call my apple bread. And is or fruit okay bread. for me in the morning with this candida issue? Because a lot of uh, professionals out there suggest that don't eat any sugar. When you're having including candida. fruit, including Basically. honey. Right. right. Um, I totally disagree. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I totally disagree is, number one, I agree with them on a theoretical basis. Right. But I've just had too many clients with candida that like solved it with some peroxide, and they were eating fruit, they were even eating some refined sugar. I just told them, try to relax on the sugar. Again, you have to read your clients. Right. right. I've had clients tell me, if you tell me not to drink alcohol, I'm going to kill myself. So I said, okay. That's not an option. By all means, drink alcohol. (laughs) But they say not to drink any alcohol when you have candida. Yes. Right? But in a case like that, or if you intuit that it's such an important thing for them, then don't take it out because you don't want to unbalance the person too much. Change is stress. So if you have a stressed person in front of you, you don't want to cause unnecessary stress by... You know, unnecessary change. So you kind of prioritize. A hundred percent. I love that you're saying that. I'll see what's going on. I'm like, okay, I could see that I would, I would, I would change these 10 things in this person's life. I would change it if nothing mattered. Correct. But because change is stress, I'm going to change two or three things. You know, I'm reading them. How much can they handle? They can handle that a little more easier. And to add to this, so for you listeners out there, I've been, you know, battling this candida problem for the better half of the last decade. And there was a period where I eliminated all sugar, all starches, all caffeine, all alcohol. I was pretty much eating meat and green veggies all day, every day for a period of, I want to say at least nine months. Hmm. 
Uh, and then you could imagine how difficult it was just living my life. I can't believe you did nine months of that. Nine months. And then when I went back to a regular diet, uh-huh. the, the symptoms of candida were, were back for my case. So yeah. all you did is you beat it down to a low level. Totally. You didn't get rid of it. I did not get rid of it. And I also, that constipation issue that I have, it became worse because wow. I was eating in a way where I guess I was eating the ratio of, you know, plants to meat might have been uh, non-ideal. And I do find that eating grains for me helps me go to the washroom. Right, right. But also makes my candida symptoms worse. And that some of the symptoms that I have of candida is I'll get a rash that breaks out on my legs. That I find that that is something that I often get, get in the same spot whenever I eat high amounts of sugar. And then I have that white, what do they call it, thrush on your tongue? Oh, thrush, yeah. Yeah, so I definitely have that. Again, when I have sugar uh, or I have alcohol, my energy will dip. I just, people that do suffer from candida, they know what the symptoms are, you know, and it might not be a, the same for everybody, but I definitely know when I have these the symptoms, symptoms popping are, up. are wildly individual. Right. So you know when something's off. Yes. And then you know when it's gone. And you know when it's off and when it's gone. Um, peroxide is something that I don't, I actually wouldn't even put in my website to drink peroxide because then that makes me liable. Yes. And of course, it's completely like outside of my jurisdiction because I'm a nutritionist, right? Right. So I don't know whose jurisdiction it would be in to say drink peroxide, but but I, I want to express myself. I think it's one of the most miraculous things on the planet is hydrogen peroxide. And I even heard this guy who said he got rid of plaque. He measured the plaque in his arteries. Sorry, not measured the plaque. The symptom was angina from severe plaque. It went away from drinking peroxide for a period of months. Wow. Now, you now why ask, won't they study this? Well, where's the money, right? And right. you have to ask this guy who made the video. you got to ask him, what's he going to gain out of it? I'm just going to go buy peroxide anywhere I want. And it's so cheap, right? So he made it because he wanted to share. Yeah. So, yeah. And peroxide IV, I've, a friend of mine did that IV, and it was phenomenal what it did for her. Okay. Peroxide IV, so they're, they're injecting it directly into their veins. Yeah. About half a cc is full strength of the 35% stuff, so that would be about... Uh, 15, 17 drops in an IV bag, diluted in an IV With the bag. help of a nurse in this case? or Yeah. yeah. With, with yeah. a bit of magnesium to start so you don't get the veins getting hard from right. peroxide. And uh, it's a strong antiviral, and it's a strong anti-cancer. Wow. Uh, poor man's version of doing that would be just pour a tub and put in like half a liter of food-grade peroxide and just soak in it because you will get a fair amount of transdermal delivery. So you're, it'll go through your skin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. little tips of the trade or yeah. tricks of the trade. So tricks of the trade from Apple. Best ideas, if if I if I may. Please. The manna bread or apple bread. Okay. Um, and did I go over what the apple bread was? You said to have apple and treat it as bread. Yeah, treat it as but, bread. So you're going to slice it and then put your nut butter on there. Yes. What are enzymes? What are enzymes? Oh. Uh, so enzymes. What was that? Something. Some <laughs> being told me. That's a wonderful. Yeah, like <laughs> That's a wonderful question. Um, so every animal on the planet eats their food raw. Yeah. And all raw foods contain enzymes. So what an enzyme is, the mechanistic answer is it's a specialized protein, often containing a mineral as well, and it acts as a catalyst um, for doing many things. So we have metabolic enzymes that do things in our body. CoQ10 is a metabolic enzyme. We have other metabolic enzymes that make life possible that they speed up chemical reactions to the point where life is possible. Um, because if the enzymes, if our chemical reactions go too slowly, it won't sustain life. So they're basic to life. Now, digestive enzymes are found in things, if you've ever eaten a lot of papaya or pineapple, right. and your tongue feels funny, the enzymes in that pineapple are actually 
at breaking down proteins in your tongue. So your tongue is being digested by the pineapple, which is not a big deal because your tongue will renew its you know epithelial layer pretty quickly. Um, so enzymes are something that are denatured above about 60 degrees Celsius. They're denatured. Right. And they don't work anymore, and they will never work again. So when you denature a protein, because enzymes are protein entities, when you denature a protein, you can't bring it back. Like when you boil an egg white and it turns white and rubbery, you can't cool it down and it's going to turn into a runny, transparent egg white again. Yes. Right? So it's it's irreversible. So because we're cooked food beings, we, most of our diet is cooked food, especially mine, um, I take a lot of enzymes to compensate for the fact that there's none in my cooked food. Mm. I guess this is one of the reasons why people in the raw uh, food uh, movement right now are pushing for it, because one of their arguments is we need more of these natural, enzymes. full enzymes absolutely. to be in the diet, They're right? absolutely right that we need more enzymes. Yes. And I've had ridiculous responses from high doses of enzymes. So I've had uh, several people with cysts and lumps and bumps with a lot of enzymes. They get rid of their cysts and lumps and bumps. Interesting. Gone. Gone. We're Even, talking about enzymes from a natural source or from like these capsules? Uh, well, the capsules are usually called plant enzymes, but they're in reality, they're fungal. But oh. people don't like fungal, so they call it plant. Right. <laughs> but then there's also pineapple, which is a source of bromelain, and papaya, which is a source of papaine. The strongest enzyme that I'm aware of that has the most metabolic benefit for us in terms of cysts, lumps, bumps, uh, uh, swelling is pancreatin, which is taken from the pancreas of a pig. Wow. So it's a slaughterhouse byproduct. Any theory as to how it does, like it helps with reducing cysts? Like what it, what is it doing to the body when I it think happens? What it, so so the fact that it does that to me is abundantly proven. Now why it does that is always a guessing game. Right. Now, my why is that your white blood cells, a lot of their work is done by phagocytosis, so they'll surround something, absorb it, and digest it. Yes. So they need enzymes to do that. Correct. Just like we need enzymes to digest on a cellular level, we also need enzymes to digest. So it make, it helps them do their job better. Totally. I also think of it in this way. Whenever I'm thinking of enzymes, I'm thinking of it, of it as like the body has to start making decisions whenever it's not readily available, right? Right. You know, so if, you know, an enzyme that we need in order to like metabolize something or to like digest to something. stay alive. Yeah. If we need it for staying alive, then the body will say, sorry, we're not going to give it, you, give you that much for the We're stomach. not going to take care of the cyst, for example. Oh, right, it's not right. a priority right now. Right. We need it more for digesting this food right now that's in your intestine. And most people are overfed, which right. makes them also enzyme deficient because yes. their body is trying to keep up with this being overfed. Excellent point. Yeah. Uh, which makes me nervous, especially when I hear an older person going on a keto diet or an Atkins diet. It's like there's no way they have the enzyme power to deal with that. Totally. So then the meat becomes a carcinogen because mm. it just rots in their body. They're not digesting it properly. Yeah, who was it? Somebody recently said we're all eating like kings and queens right now. And if yeah. you look in history, kings and queens used to die at a very young age, whereas the peasants would make it a little a bit, bit longer. longer. Yeah, <laughs> it's very interesting. So a little bit of hunger is very good for you. Uh, caloric restriction yes. and, and lifespan is, is proven in every animal. They so many studies. From monkeys yep. to earthworms to fruit flies to mice. To cells, single cell organisms. Yeah. Restrict the calories that they... But I don't want to go around hungry. I'm Italian. We like our food. Right, right? that's true. So yeah. my thing is I fast one or two days a week. Correct. So that gets my average down.
Mm. So that's that's my response to the course. It also gets your digestive system to rest a little bit, too, from constantly oh, working, does, right? It does so much benefit. Yeah. It does. Should I be... It's so beneficial. Uh, doing a fast? I would really recommend it. And the nice thing about you, you're a busy guy, yes. right? If I have a day that's real busy, I'm like, I'll just fast. Right. You know, I grab a few apples, throw them in my bag, and I'm good. Am I worried about I've got crashing? my lunch, my, my dinner, my snack. It's all covered. I got four <laughs> apples in my bag. I'm good. So for fasting, you would recommend that I have those four apples and that's it for the day? Uh, oh, no. I just follow you. I, I just eat as much fruit as I want that day. Okay. But even if I go nuts and I eat 12 apples, that's 1,200 calories. That's like not even my breakfast. Correct. Right? So it's still getting my average down. So it's not a true fast. It's a modified fast. I do like the idea of having some apples or, or sorry, some fruits or vegetables. Apples are particularly cleansing. Right. Uh, very high in malic acid, which helps to dissolve and soften stones in the liver and the gallbladder. Mm. Um, and there's, I think, other aspects of apples. They have a lot of soluble fiber, which helps get rid of heavy metals. Interesting. Uh, so they're very cleansing. Um, but I like the idea of having a fiber because when you detox and your body's throwing out toxins, one of the ways is it throws it out through the liver, through the gallbladder, into the small intestine. Yes. You don't want to reabsorb it from the small yes, intestine. Yes, yes, yes. So if you have fiber there, the fiber will help to hold some of the toxins. Right. So you, you can evacuate it afterwards. Right. Right. I love it. Okay, yeah. You've convinced me. Apples. <laughs> and I've read, you know, the, the more American style of fasting was more water fasting or dry fasting. And right. the European one was more modified fasting. And I've read people that have compared, been to both kinds of spas and compared notes. And I'm really in favor of the modified fast. So no starch, no protein. Gotcha. So just veggies, fruits, boom, done. And a little bit of salt that day because you're probably going to be a little sodium deficient. So put it in the water? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Or in the Caribbean, they'll even put salt on a fruit. That's a common thing in the Caribbean. Mm. But they're real hot, and they're drinking a lot, so it's part of their traditional wisdom. Like, we're drinking a lot, we're sweating a lot, we need more electrolytes. Right. So part of that traditional wisdom in their diet is to put some salt on their food. Um, the other one that I would recommend strongly for you is an adrenal tonic. I think that's Which goes idea. back to coffee. Because yes. if, you're, if you're feeling like, okay, I need that coffee, that coffee helps me, yes. but then it hurts you later on. Yes. <clears throat> that's, your adrenals are probably a little bit depleted. And if someone drinks a lot of coffee, which I wouldn't call you a large coffee drinker, like a lot, like I consider three, three or more is a lot. Um, but it tends to deplete your adrenals. Yes. So the adrenal tonic is called anti-stress by ultimate. Okay. And I pop three of those things before bed and it's absolutely helped my sleep quality because it lowers your cortisol for hours, which allows you to sleep more deeply. Cortisol wakes you up. Correct. So you get a spike in the morning. You're supposed to, to help wake you up. But if it, the baseline cortisol is too high, then you never get into the deep stages of sleep. You're just hovering around the right, just up here without getting into the deeper stages where people could play trumpet and you won't wake up. Like that's the stage that we want, right? Yeah. So I would so, give that a shot. So cortisol is supposed to be the highest early in the morning, right? When you're waking yes, up, and then throughout yeah. the rest of the day, it's supposed to slowly be declining, yeah. and the opposite should be happening with melatonin, right? Like it should be right. very low in the yeah. morning, and then slowly going up. It levels in your body, but right. I guess we're so stressed out these days, running all over the place, relying on coffee, having uh, uh, lights that are like lighting up the sky because we live in a city that we're messing up these cortisol levels in our yeah. body. After about 7.30, I have to put all my lights low. I, what do you mean by low? Um, like only have a dim light here, yeah. a dim light there, and not my full lighting. Another good technique that I've uh, that I've been utilizing is having the lights on on a lamp at an eye level. 
because it's mimicking the sun setting. Oh, that's right? interesting. Very so interesting. that's another good technique people can be using in order to kind of mimic that whole, hey, it's getting dark outside right now. Right. Your body's getting ready for nighttime. Totally. And modern life is stressful too. Like, yeah. you know, Gabor Mate says, we're not me meant to live in societies of millions of people. Right. We're meant to live in, you know, little tribes or villages. That's more natural for our psyche. You know, we're, we're not really, so even just living in a city in the 20th century, that in itself is a stress. Correct, yeah. But yeah, I've had multiple clients and family members loving the um, the ultimate brand uh, anti-stress. But it does have adrenal glands, dry, like dried, dried up cow adrenal glands. So okay. I warn people of that in case they have some religious dietary restrictions or whatever dietary restrictions. Yeah, so that would that would help your sleep quality, which helps everything. As you know, you know, if you get your cortisol in a sweeter spot, that's going to help your insulin sensitivity and that's going to help you get leaner without trying. And right. I find for sure when my sleep is off, I look smoother. Correct. Right? I see it in my physique. Right. And that's the, because cortisol also antagonizes testosterone and it antagonizes growth hormone and it messes with insulin. It does a whole bunch of things we don't want to have happen. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like an anti-aging thing because we're fighting that cortisol creep up that happens as we age. Right? Amazing. Yeah. Well, I like what, that you said that you can get results without necessarily having to like train just from like the dietary changes. And I'm going to be putting that into effect because for the first month of this you know, project that I'm doing with Hounding Health, I'm simply going to rely on dietary changes, lifestyle changes, maybe a little bit of meditation, but I'm not going to actually start my exercise regimen. I'm literally not going to exercise really? for a month wow. just to see what kind of effects <clears throat> these lifestyle changes have. Right, right my body because you know in science they always say change one variable at a time if you truly yeah. want to know what's working what's not uh, so i definitely want to take this approach well, with the but that's a, that's a big big weakness of science yes right because then you miss all the synergism for we sure we study one we can only study one variable at a time right so what about you know doing meditating with changing the workout a bit with changing your diet they might have a synergistic effect with each other that right the study alone might not and exactly, it's not going to be a long-term study right now where I'm just going to look at this one thing, but I'll be adding things as we're going through it, and at least we'll be able to see the changes that are occurring in my body, my well-being as we're going through it. A true it. scientist. Yes, but <laughs> in the beginning, I wanted to just you know follow a very simplified approach to my nutrition, my meditation, and then throw in the exercise and kind of show people how I build up an exercise program from scratch. It's another reason why I kind of had to start you know, from not training to kind of mimic what a lot of people are experiencing in the world today. They're not exercising. Right. So how should right. you start? Like, should you just go to a CrossFit gym and just start <laughs> throwing weights over your head? Or is there a right. way to start a little slower, a little safer? And we're going to get into that with uh, future and shows. It could, be, it could have some positive effects to have that pause. For, for me. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay, guys. Uh, so Anthony and I are probably going to talk a little bit after uh, we uh, say goodbye to you guys, just to put all this stuff that he gave me in order. You guys don't have to be there for that. But I just wanted to kind of reiterate that all these things that Anthony suggested that I do today is targeted and specific for me and my case. It is not necessarily something that you should go out and be doing. So for you know, for in your own cases, go out, do some research. Uh, consult with your own practitioners, your own nutritionist, uh, your people that you trust. Maybe reach out to Anthony uh, and he can help you on your journey to getting uh, your health in a better state. Uh, that being said, Anthony, what 
uh, where can people find you? What would you like them to to know? What are there any uh, websites or companies you want to throw out there? Just my big long Italian name dot com. So it's Anthony A N T H O N Y D Pasquale David I Peter A S Q U A L E dot com. Um, they can also shoot me a text or something or a call. My number is six four seven eight three zero zero four two five. And I thank anyone who's listening because. It's always great to get other points of view on health. Anthony, man, thank you so much for being here today, for being my nutritionist uh, guidance, my guru in this uh, season one of me attaining my health. And uh, I think we're probably going to have to do another show uh, before these four months are done just to kind of see what it's like when you interact with a, a client uh, you know, on their journey. And then maybe we'll have you again in the end to see like what kind of results I got and if we're both happy with what I attained. Good. All right, man. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Hounding Health Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and join us next week as we interview other health heroes. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel where you can see George put health practices to the test every week. If you'd like to learn more about how Hounding Health could help you uncover your path to true health and make you a supreme being, go to houndinghealth.com.